0: Good morning st michael's will you please
1: stand
0: lord we are just so blessed to be in this place this morning we're here to seek your presence and we know that you'll show up for us give us the strength to fight for your freedom in this world lord in jesus name amen
2: and the Holy Spirit.
0: And blessed be His
2: kingdom, now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your name, through Christ our Lord. Amen.
3: Jesus said the first commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. As we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord
2: grant you absolution and remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of His Holy Spirit. Lord, have mercy. have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Together to call out. O oh God, who before the passion of your only begotten Son revealed His glory upon the Holy mount, Grant to us that we, beholding the light of His countenance, may be strengthened to bear our cross and to be changed into His likeness from glory to glory, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now ever and ever. Amen. Mr. Faithful. Hi, kids. All right. I love those cowboy boots. (laughs) Heavenly Father, bless these children. Bless these children and just impose on us, Lord, an understanding of our responsibility towards these children. Not to be taken lightly, but, Lord, to be a focus and a mighty part of every adult's life. Jesus' name. Amen. See you guys.
4: Now it was so, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand when he came down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. So, when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, behold. The skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Then Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the children of Israel came near, and he gave them as commandments all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came out. And he would come out and speak to the children of Israel, whatever he had been commanded. And whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone, then Moses would put the veil on his face again until he went in to speak with him. The word of the Lord. Thank
3: you to God. Please stand and the psalm. Yeah.
4: This morning's psalm is Psalm 99. Please respond by the asterisk. The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble.
1: The, the, be moved.
4: the Lord is great in Zion.
1: He is high above all the peoples.
4: Let the people, excuse me, let the praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. The king's strength also loves justice.
1: We have established equity, we have executed justice and righteousness.
4: Exalt the Lord, our God, and worship at his footstool. He is holy. Moses and Aaron were among his priests, and Samuel was among those who called upon his name.
1: They called upon the Lord, and he answered them.
4: He spoke to them in the cloudy pillar.
1: They kept his testimonies and the ordinance he gave them.
4: You answered them, O Lord, our God. Exalt the Lord our God, and worship at his holy hill. the Lord our God is holy. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit.
1: As it was in the beginning,
5: it is now, and will be forever. Amen. Let's see. Our second reading comes from Second Corinthians chapter 3. Beginning in verse 12, therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away, but their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament, Because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. The Word of the Lord.
3: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke. St. Luke chapter 9 beginning in verse 28. Now it came to pass about eight days after these sayings that he took Peter, John, and James and went up to the mountain to pray. As he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered and his robe became white and glistening. And behold, two men talked with him, who were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his decease, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and those with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were fully awake, they saw his glory in the two men who stood with him. Then it happened, as they were parting from him, that Peter said to Jesus, Jesus. Master, it is good for us to be here, and let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were fearful as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. When the voice had ceased, Jesus was found alone. But they kept quiet and told no one in those days any of the things they had seen. The Gospel of the Lord. you, Lord You may be seated. Just open with a word of prayer. Father, we look to you this day not just to learn more knowledge about who you are, but to be transformed by who you are. We pray in this world that sees lots of darkness, that you would once again shine forth as the light of the world in our midst and around the world. In Jesus' name, amen. So we have today Transfiguration Sunday. All of the readings are about the transfiguration of Christ, the holiness of God. And the question that goes through my mind as I'm thinking about how to start today is, what does it matter that a first century carpenter glowed on a hill in a world full of war and suffering and division? What does it matter that Jesus was transfigured? We can sometimes just kind of take it as a part of our Christian belief, uh, the story we've heard a hundred times. But I want to remind us today as we begin, it matters because the reality of the world is found in the transfigured Christ. That truly the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdom of our God. And that no matter what war we are facing, what pestilence, suffering we are facing, the deeper truth is that God, the King, the Prince of Peace, is Lord over all. And so as we talk through the implications of the transfiguration, I just want to remind us this morning that we actually have authority and power as followers, as servants of that king, to preach peace to those who are lost. We have power and authority to pray and call upon the Most High God to intervene in the midst of a world full of strife. And hopefully as we press into relationship with him, you will see his transforming work not only in your own life, but in the lives of those around us. If there is one thing that will save this world, it is the power of a transfigured Jesus Christ. Operating not only in some spiritual faraway sense as some cosmic chess player, but actually revealing himself in those people who call themselves Christians around the world. So let's talk through the implications of our readings today, but keeping in mind that if we take this seriously, if we follow him seriously, then the promise is that all shall be well and all manner of things shall be well. And it's not an empty promise. It's a promise that has already revealed the pattern of God's kingdom in a Christ who, after his transfiguration, went to the cross and suffered humiliating death only to be vindicated in his subsequent resurrection. What am I saying when I say that? I'm saying that God's vision of the world is big enough to include all of the suffering and to transfigure all of the suffering that we see. So that is the day that we are fighting for, even when we look to worship him this morning. That's why that song, the Waymaker song, is so powerful. Because when you sing out the reality of who God is, the promise keeper, the light in the darkness, we are actually participating on a global scale in the spiritual warfare that is pushing back the darkness that causes war, pain, pestilence, death. And so we're going to talk today about how to think about these things in our own life. What are the implications in our own life? But we're going to keep in mind the fact that All it takes for the world to be saved is for each one of us to know Christ and to follow his way. The accusation that we face often today, outside of any other, the most often accusation is that we can't know truth. You might have your own truth, but I have my own truth, and my truth is this. I see it every day in the conversations going back and forth online. What is truth? And the reality is that there's an accurate accusation that gets leveled at us, that we're blinded by our culture, our ideas, our upbringing, our tragedies, our circumstances. We are blinded. How can you know truth? You don't know what I've gone through. You don't know what I've been through. The reason we can know truth is actually found in our readings today in the Transfiguration, the answer to that question. When we truly see Christ in our life, our own veils, our own limits are removed, and we are set free to see the world as it really is. The Bible is actually the first comprehensive text to document the various privileges, biases, stubbornness, blindness of the human species. The the Bible takes us actually from point one where the fall occurred, where people rejected truth in God, where people chose to go their own way through the stubbornness of the Old Testament, that constant to and fro where they come back to God, beg for mercy, God would redeem them. And then they would turn away from God and do their own thing. And ultimately that question is answered how can we know truth in the person of Jesus Christ when our veils are torn away as we understand who God in Jesus is? And that's what our whole service today is about when you look at the readings. So we're going to start in the Old Testament and see what's going on back when Moses came down from Mount Sinai. It says. In verse 29, now it was so when Moses came down from Mount Sinai and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand that he came down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone when he talked to him. What were we just talking about? Jesus' face shining, right? What's going on? There's some parallel here. So when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. That's really relatable to us. I find no trouble believing that if Moses came down with a shining face, the people of Israel would not be drawn to him, but actually afraid of him. Why is that? Well, what happens, you see, when people are going down their own path, the one thing that they don't want to see is the light. When people have chosen, these are the same people who just melted down all their gold and made it into a golden calf to worship it. When they have chosen to walk away, light is the thing that the darkness fears. And I don't want to make it too metaphorical. In our own lives, when we choose to do our own thing, you know who I don't want to know about it? My dad, my Christian holy father Ed. I don't want him to know when I'm spending my money unwisely or when I'm having a temper tantrum or whatever I'm doing. And trust me, temper tantrums are not just for the young. I've seen it in my own self. We all know we've been there where we're doing our own thing, where we're willfully choosing to do things we know are wrong. What do you want at that point? You don't want the lights. You don't want Moses with his face shining coming down into your midst. And so what do we do? They, they they're afraid of him, so Moses puts a veil on so it'd be softer, so they wouldn't be so intimidated by the reality of God. And what lights up Moses' face? What transfigures him? Seeing God. It's all about seeing God. Every one of these readings. Now, if you find yourself in that moment where the people you want to hang out with are the losers, the sinners. The people who make you feel good about your sin, don't blame them for your bad behavior. Look at yourself. What are you running from? What are you running towards? Bad company corrupts good morals, one of my mom's favorite sayings growing up. Every time I found a friend who wasn't conforming to the likeness of Christ, my mom would remind me. Maybe that's not the best person to hang out with. And what she was noticing was not a critique of that person. It was my own desire to willfully go my own way, manifesting itself in the people I chose to spend my time with. Now, the question that we have to ask is, who are we surrounding ourselves with when we look at this? Who are we surrounding ourselves with? Are you surrounding yourself with people who are going all out after the goodness of God? It's a question that's worth asking. And then we move. So Moses has this experience where he has the glory of God reflected in his face. He wears the veil. And then we move forward to our gospel lesson today, and we look at what happens with Jesus. Now, it came to pass about eight days after these sayings, that he took Peter, John, and James and went up to the mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered, and his robe became white and glistening. Now, there's a way of reading this that's kind of silly. So he started to glow. What matters? But we know when we read that, that they're talking about more than just light emanating from him. They're talking about a presence of the holiness of God, a revelation of who Jesus really is. One of the illustrations that this reminds me of, because sometimes a transfiguration can just be hard to wrap my mind around as I try and think about it and the implications. There's a story that C.S. Lewis tells in a book called Paralandra. And the basic premise, it's kind of a, a fable, kind of drawn out. And the basic premise is, imagine imagine that God created on the planet Venus, a new man and a new woman, not like Adam and Eve, but the same concept. And they're put in a garden and the enemy comes and tempts them. But instead of falling like Adam and Eve did, instead, these two are able to resist temptation. And it's an it's it's imagination. Uh, that question is what drives the whole story. What would it look like if humanity had never fallen? And we get an answer in the main character who comes and he falls before these two glorious humans, a man and a woman who rejected the fall, who never sinned. And it's got this beautiful passage where it says, When at last Ransom raised his eyes from their four blessed feet, he found himself involuntarily speaking, though his voice was broken and his eyes dimmed. And he talks to these two, these Adam and Eve who never fell. Do not move away. Do not raise me up. I have never before seen a man or a woman. I have lived all my life among shadows and broken images. Oh, my father, my mother, my Lord and my lady, do not move. Do not answer me yet. My own father and mother, I have never seen. Take me for your son. We have been alone in my world for a great time. There's a deep resonance in this passage as Lewis is explaining or exploring the idea that we are only fractions of what God has intended us to be. And that the work that he's begun in us has no end. That actually you are nowhere on this world as good as he will eventually make you. Now that doesn't at all take away the admiration we have for courage, for valor, for kindness, for charity, for the wonderful things we see in the world, the great acts that people commit out of their Christian love and compassion, laying down their life for one another, we get a glimpse of it. But the encouragement here is that there's so much more, and we need to recognize that we're all, in a way, in need of this adoption into the true family of God. That, in fact, what we're seeing when we see things like war And suffering is we're seeing the brokenness, the shadows of humanity fighting amongst themselves when God is calling us to a better way. We see that clearly stated in the passage in Romans where it says, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we await eagerly our adoption as sons and the redemption of our bodies. What I'm trying to paint a picture of here is that the transfiguration is not just about Jesus. It's about you, that we are called to be transfigured day by day into what he has laid before us. We see it in the in, as in a mirror dimly. We see it In one another, we can see those glimpses of people who are stepping out and acting as Christ of the world. But there's just so much more. And the promise we're given is in 1 John 3, verse 2, where he says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. I wanted to draw out that what is the transforming agent in our life as we become more like God is we actually get to know Jesus. That's what John is saying. We will be like him because we will actually see him as he is. That's what happened to Moses when he spent that time on the mountain with God. He came down and he was transformed because he knew him as he is. We used to sing that song Frequently, I want to know you. I want to see your face. I want to know you more. That's the journey that we're on. And then he makes the connection clear in Luke between Moses and his veiled face and Jesus with his transfiguration. Where the disciples are waking up and behold, two men talked with him who were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his decease which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. So what's the point in this transfiguration story of bringing Moses and Elijah? Well, all it's saying is that the entire Old Testament was pointing to this moment. The law and the prophets were pointing to Jesus. were pointing to the transfigured Jesus. And then it has this great phrase that I had to bring up as we look this week to head into Lent. And it says, and they spoke of his decease, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. They spoke of his decease, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. And the question I have for you today as we think about, okay, we're all moving towards this transfiguration and glory. It's hard to imagine. What are we holding on to here? Well, the truth is that if Jesus's own crucifixion was a part of God's will, my question for you as we go into Lent is, are you so sure that the greatest point of difficulty in your life isn't precisely the plan of God to accomplish his will in you and for you? Are you so sure that that situation in your life over which you feel no hope will not be raised from the dead in glory? As we enter into Lent, it's fitting that we start, and our collect points to that, it's fitting that we start this week with the Transfiguration. Because we're all going to face suffering in our life. But we have that great hope. It even says of Jesus that it was for the glory that was set before him, that he went to the cross. And so as we approach this season where we're examining our lives and looking for ways to become more like him, the question I want everybody to think through is, is maybe that thing that you're struggling with, is the thing which he is about to accomplish in your life. Just as it says, his decease, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. And then 2 Corinthians pulls us forward as we think more. Okay, so we're going to be transfigured. We're going to be like Christ. We're going from glory to glory. He's changing us. How does that apply now to how we're supposed to act today? Because you remember, Paul is writing to the first Christians. Who were hearing these stories of transfiguration, who were being persecuted by the Romans, killed, imprisoned, losing their jobs, ostracized, kicked out of their families. And he's writing to them to try and explain what does this guy, Jesus, and the ways that he lived on this earth and the things that happened to him, what do they mean? And so Paul's explaining to them, not from a theological perspective, not trying to make them PhDs, but actually trying to talk to them where they were at and saying, how should you act in the world? And he says, therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away, But their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in reading the Old Testament, because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So there's an acknowledgement that, yes, we all, and he's specifically talking about the Jews who rejected Christ, but he's talking in general terms, we all have a veil that needed to be taken away. How do we overcome our biases, our privilege, our skin color, our culture, our everything that clouds our vision? Well, we overcome it by turning to Jesus, and the veil is taken away, and we're able to see situations clearly. I'll tell you the most blinding thing that I know of. Well, there's a few different things, but I'm going to talk about this one is anxiety and fear. It is nearly impossible to see when you get those blinders on of fear and anxiety. What's actually going on? Turn to Jesus. You got that great old hymn. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. That's when our veils are torn away and we're able to see. And what does it do? Well, the very next verse tells you what happens when you turn to Jesus. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Or as we were saying this morning, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Are you feeling burdened down by the cares of this world? Are you feeling like you have that list of hopeless situations or those mountains you can't overcome? Or are you just looking for purpose and joy in your life? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. And his spirit will set us free to see the world as it really is. And let me tell you, when you see the world as it really is, it's an adventure that ends in a marriage banquet and resurrection where all shall be well and all manner of things shall be well. And more than just setting us free from our burdens, we continue when he says, but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image From glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. What is he saying? He's saying more than just being set free from our burdens and cares, he is also transforming us into the image of Christ. The news gets better and better. Now, I will tell you, there is a catch. To all of this, all of these promises of transfiguration revolve around one thing, knowing the Lord. And I don't mean knowledge like, oh yeah, Jesus born in Jerusalem, Bethlehem, and he crucified in Jerusalem. Those are great facts, great, wonderful. What I mean is the type of knowing that comes from relationship with him. And the relationship with him, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, can't be accomplished just by becoming a hermit and going off and praying in a corner. It really can't. In fact, imagine any relationship you've ever had. The easiest one to think about maybe is a spouse or a girlfriend or a boyfriend or somebody who you're trying to get to know. You can get to know them pretty well, but the great shock of marriage is that you go from coffee dates and movies and going out to nice dinners to living every day with that person. There's more to know. The only thing harder than getting to know your wife after you get married and live with her is her having to get to know you. And so how does it mean when I'm talking about getting to know Jesus? What is he asking us to do? He's not asking us to just sit down and pray to him for hours a day and try to talk to him like you do when you're dating a woman. He's talking about actually coming alongside and partnering with you in your life. Living your life with him. Bringing him with you into your work, into your victories and your defeats. He's right there. He's at the door knocking. Invite him in. Get to know him. One of our biggest fears is somebody actually knowing who we are and then rejecting us. I don't know about you, but at least the people I've talked to, that seems to be pretty high on their list. If they knew everything about me, they would reject me. Well, the only thing that answers that fear in our life is the full acceptance of God, who knows you better than you know yourself. Conquer your fear and bring God even into your brokenness. And of course, though we see in a mirror dimly now, We hold on to the hope that this is not the end, that every day we get to become more like him. And every day that you fail, guess what? It's not over. I know I fail daily. So then what do we do now after we've made all these links between the transfiguration and unveiled faces and we get to overcome our biases and know the truth in Jesus, all nice sounding things. But what do we do when we leave this church well, I'm going to read just to end up. I'm going to read the end of one of C.S. Lewis's sermons where he was talking about something very similar. And he says, Meanwhile, the cross comes before the crown, and tomorrow's a Monday morning. A cleft has opened in the pitiless walls of the world, and we are invited to follow our great captain inside. The following him, of course, is the essential point. And that being so, it may be asked, what practical use is there in the speculations which I have been indulging? I can think of at least one such use. It may be possible for each to think too much of his own potential glory hereafter, but it is hardly possible for him to think too often or too deeply about that glory of his neighbor. The load or weight or burden of my neighbor's glory should be laid daily on my back, a load so heavy that only humility can carry it, and the backs of the proud will be broken. It is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses. To remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person, not looking at anybody particular, you talk to may be one day a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship or else a horror and a corruption, such as if you now meet only in a nightmare. All day long we are in some degree helping each other to one or other of these destinations. So as we go forth from here and we talk about the fact that our destination is transfiguration, remember that so is your neighbors. So are the people in the body of Christ. And so when you go out, love one another as Christ has loved us. Not because the people you meet are perfect and wonderful and happy-go-lucky right now, but because you have hope in Christ who is transforming us just as much as he's transforming them. As we end, let's pray that God reveals himself to us and transforms us into his likeness. The world is waiting. Amen? believe in one God, the, the Father. Father
2: Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one service with the Spirit, by whom all things were made who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures and ascended into heaven and is seated on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory and the life of the world to come. Amen.
3: Brothers and sisters, God the Father has made a covenant of love with us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Therefore, we may approach Him with great confidence for all our needs and for those of the whole world. That Christians everywhere will humble themselves and seek unity with all believers of the Christian faith on essential matters and respect each other's differences on non-essential matters. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. that the Christian church throughout the world, especially in third world countries, will have access to the resources they need to further God's kingdom and meet the needs of their people. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. that government leaders will work tirelessly to overcome corruption, poverty, injustice, and violence in society. Lord, in your mercy, hear our that the Holy Spirit will pour out his gifts abundantly upon his people. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our prayer. that we will glorify God in all that we say and do. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our prayer. that those who defend us at home and abroad will be protected by the mercy of God. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our prayer. that the poor, the hungry, and the homeless will find help from God's people and see God as their provider. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our prayer. O Lord Jesus, servant and master, bringer of peace and reconciliation. With deep sorrow and concern, we cry out to you for the beginnings of this war now occurring in Ukraine. We long for you to arrest this violence and destruction, to bring this war to a just end, and for your protection for all innocent victims and everyone directly involved in military action in Ukraine and in Russia. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer.
2: Almighty God, there is no God in heaven above, nor on the earth below, like you. Hear our prayer and give us the grace to do your holy will. We ask this through Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Peace, Lord, be always with you.
0: With your spirit.
2: Turn and greet your neighbor with the peace. peace.
0: Okay, breakfast for dinner. <laughs> uh, Tuesday, we have our, our Shrove Tuesday celebration, the last day of ordinary times before Lent, and we celebrate by having breakfast for dinner. So uh, come come here on Tuesday night. Uh, as I told our, our home groups, if, if you can help with setup, try to be here by about 530 Um, And we'll set up the tables and all that kind of stuff. I know Michael's in charge of the kitchen. I think he's got enough people there. But then also, if you can't get here early, plan on staying for teardown. You know, try and pick one of those things and do it so so that we can take care of both those things easily. But let's have a great time on Tuesday night. And then, uh, of course, on Wednesday is the beginning of Lent, and you can have the imposition of ashes either in the morning... If you want to show those ashes off all day long to the world around you, or you can come for the evening service, which is also great, and have ashes uh, then. So there are other things. Pay attention to your email, and we'll go from there.
3: Amen? As we prepare to receive the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist, let us respond to God's word by engaging with him in musical worship And Presenting to God our tithes and offerings out of that which God has given to us. Together, through Christ, let us continually offer to God the sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. But do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God.
1: I've seen the faithfulness of God, the still inside the storm, the promise of the shore. I trust the power of your word, enough to seek your kingdom.
2: Welcome all baptized believers to receive the body of Christ. This is the table of the Lord, and it's made ready for those who love him, for those who want to love him even more. Come if you have much faith. Come if you have little. Come if you have tried and failed. Come because it's the Lord who invites you. This is his table, he wants you to come and meet him here. The Lord be with you.
0: And with your spirit.
2: Lift up your hearts. We lift them
0: up to the Lord. Let us
2: give thanks to the Lord our God. Amen. Father, all powerful and ever living God, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks To Jesus Christ our Lord. Through his cross and resurrection, he freed us from sin and death and he's called us to the glory that's made us a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people set apart. Everywhere we will proclaim your mighty works, for you have called us out of darkness into your own wonderful light. So with all the choir of angels in heaven, we proclaim your glory, and we join in their unending hymn of praise. The fountain of all holiness, let your Holy Spirit come upon these gifts to make them holy so they may become for us, the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he's given up to death, the death he freely accepted, he took bread and he gave you thanks, he broke it, he gave it to his disciples and he said, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Supper was He took the cup, and again he gave thanks and praise. He gave it to them and he said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance to me. And so we proclaim this mystery of faith. Christ has died. Is Christ's Christ is risen, Christ Christ. Will. will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread and this saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and to serve you. May all of us who share in the body and blood of Jesus be brought together in unity by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world. Make us grow in love, together with our patriarch, Craig and all of our clergy. And Lord, remember this day all who were sick or infirmed in spirit, soul or body. We hold up Connie and Susan and Serena, Naomi, Sonja, Sandra, Karen, Tammy, Denisha, Dan, Marielle and Giovanni, our Marines and sailors at Camp Pendleton and all of our own forces. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and the broken especially hold up today the people of Estonia, fighting for their freedom. As we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Have mercy on us all. Make us worthy to share eternal life with the apostles and the martyrs, all the saints who have gone before us we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ, by him and with him and in him in the unity of the Holy Spirit. All honor and glory is yours, Almighty God and Father, now and forever. Amen. Jesus taught us to call God our Father, and we have courage to pray. Our Father, Father
0: who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name.
2: Thy kingdom come, thy will be done.
1: Therefore,
2: let us keep the peace. Hallelujah. O Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. O Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world.
0: Grant us thy
2: peace. The gifts of God for the people of God take them in remembrance that Christ died for you. feed on them your heart with thanksgiving. Blessed are those who call to the supper. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in the battle and be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. Indeed thou, a prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander through the world seeking the ruin of our souls. Remember the gospel. God was in Christ Jesus reconciling, reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins against them. And he loves us. He's forgiven us. not mad at us. And he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, be amongst you and remain with you always. Amen.
1: But I'm not afraid.